0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land episode 233, pre-roll, where I tell you about joining our Patreon. Guys, you really need to join up that Patreon. You need to get in there, join the Cole Kids Club. You can get our Conspiracy Corners. Mark's recording one of those tonight with the boys. Also, he's recording tonight. I'm recording this on Tuesday night. He's got a live live stream with Pete A.S.A.R. AceRKist, Neocon Remover. That's streaming live only to the pride. So you can get that before it gets out to the public. Going to have to wait about a week otherwise to see it. And of course, on top of that, you get my daily rants. You get me yelling into a microphone on topics that don't make it into the main show. And I do one every day of the week leading into the weekend. Weekends are for Brian. That's, That's Brian time. But shit that doesn't make it into the regular show. Not enough time in the week. So check that out. You also get my Do Nothing Man. I've got Do Nothing Man versus the Masketeers. That will be out very soon. I'm recording that as we well, not as we speak. I mean, I'm just talking to you jerk offs, but when I'm done with this recording it. So don't miss that and so much, much more, guys. Go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Join as little as five bucks. Get some swag while you're at it and uh, join our private Facebook community.
1: Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty, with your host,
0: Brian McWilliams. All right, so I am here, uh, joined on short notice by the man, I think I'm going to call this episode... uh, you know, LPNH tweet criminal, Jeremy Kaufman, who is here with us on short notice. Thank you so much for coming on Electric Liberty Land, Jeremy.
1: Thanks. It's it's great to be here with you, Brian. And I do want to be clear that I am on just as that. Like, I'm not beyond being on the, the LPNH communications committee. I'm not on the XCOM. I'm not representing the official opinion of the body of, of LPNH. But I am uh, the guy who did the tweets and I'm happy to to talk about those, why we did them, what, and what's going on, which is just an incredibly offensive, uh, illegitimate, and anti-libertarian uh, situation at, at LP National.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, so I do have a uh, – it's kind of funny. I've got a – tweet from you, you know, a, a tweet confession, if you will, which is kind of funny, you know, hi, I'm the guy who did the tweets and, <laughs> um, you know, owning it. And I, but I like what you're saying. And just to, to set the stage for this. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what's gone on, right? And, and I'll, I'll start it off by saying I've been following this from, you know, as it's come out, I read some of what was posted on the Google docs going back and forth with um, the XCOM and Joe Bishop henchman, but it all began with some tweets so tell me a little bit about the tweets that were sent out that caused the furor. And then we can talk a little, uh, a little bit about, I guess why you decided to do those. And which is interesting for me because I'm a communications guy as well. Sure.
1: Yeah. So the, at, at the highest level, LPNH has sent some tweets that would be regarded as, as, as provocative. Um, I think it's a good thing for libertarians to be provocative because we're, we're largely unheard. Um, you could kind of break those into two categories. There's tweets that were taking substantive libertarian policy positions that were, uh, but that are unpopular. Um, mm-hmm. so those would be things like that. Um, you know, we should uh, you know not support affirmative action or the, you know, equal to, or the certain, certain parts of the civil rights act, um, or, uh, that, that children, there should not be a federal minimal, minimum working age for 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 children, right? And so these are straightforward libertarian positions. I don't think you'd find many people who actually understand libertarianism to have a problem with them. You may find some Gary Johnson voters who, who, who dislike
0: them. Uh, yes, um, I, and in fact, <laughs> I actually tweeted back at Gary Johnson, I think responding to a LP New Hampshire tweet about the child labor age, uh, pushing back on him because he had made an issue of it, and I had pushed back to your point, saying, you're missing the point, Gary. This is about the principal topic behind it. It's about the message that not everybody has to go to school and that forcing children into these, uh, I don't know, education uh, brainwashing camps is actually to the detriment of some people in the long run, Set.
1: Yeah, look, Gary Johnson wants to send police around to force bakers to bake cakes for other people. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I can't think of someone who has expressed more anti-libertarian positions, but that is somehow embraced by by the party. And I'll, I'll use this... Well, so just if we want to come back to it, there's this other category of tweet yep. that is sort of like shit posting or trolling, where it's like send Fauci to Gitmo. That's not necessarily a libertarian position, but I think is is understood to be a joke. And again, there is something there. We can come back to those. And actually, let's let, but let's dig deeper on this thing with Gary because this really actually gets to the heart of the matter of why this kind of uh, of messaging is is important. And like so, there's sort of two kinds of ways that that you can grow the party. Uh, and one is that you can sort of just do straight hill climbing. If I'm at one percent of the vote and I take this action and it gets me to one point three percent, then I'm then I'm uh, then I'm higher on on the hill. And I think that this is the way that a lot of libertarians look at it, and they say this is why we want to do things like run Gary Johnson and Bill Weld because look, Gary got two point five percent of the vote or or whatever it is. Um, the problem with this is that. If these people aren't endorsing like libertarian positions and don't understand libertarianism and, and what it says and what it entails, then those people are ultimately going to be disappointed when they learn what what, what libertarians right. um actually believe. And I don't believe that libertarian uh positions are embarrassing. I don't believe that they need to be hidden. This is kind of what the the Prag side is saying, is like, we believe that, but shh. Don't tell anyone. And it's like, um, yeah, sorry. Like these are defensible positions and we're willing to talk about them. And I will admit that there's part of it that I, I was so frustrated. I've been embarrassed by the Libertarian Party for some time. Um, because I see it consistently taking positions that I don't think are libertarian, not talking about key libertarian issues. I mean, the one of the biggest things, I and mean, LP National spent no time talking about the lockdowns last year, but said there should be tax breaks for people who close mm-hmm. their businesses. I mean, it's just like, it's insane. Like libertarian, libertarians are not Neoliberals. That's not what we are. Libertarians believe in private property and voluntary association. That is the fundamental mm-hmm. bedrock of libertarian philosophy. And like we need to start there. And anything that's inconsistent huh. with those is not libertarian and 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 to your point about
0: the lp and and lp nationals messaging it's not only about the lockdowns i mean look at the riots look at what was going on with BLM. they couldn't even condemn private property defense it was i mean absolutely maddening if you're a principled libertarian with any any sort of um of intent to give people the honest opinion on these matters
1: yeah and and so that was specifically why i got involved with the libertarian party again so i'm a free stater um i live in i live in new hampshire you know, I support a ton of libertarians. I'm as libertarian and as principled as you'd get. We're not always big on the libertarian party here because we have so many libertarians running and getting elected primarily as Republicans. But I still want LP National to be bringing people into the liberty movement. I mean, half the people here who run as Republicans are former libertarian party members. Several several sitting Republicans in the state legislature of New Hampshire right now are lifetime members of the libertarian Party who moved here because of the Free State Project.
0: Right? <laughs> We've had so, so many debates on which which the bitter path is on on our <coughs> show actually between like Eric brakey and Dave Smith on Republican versus Libertarian. So it's interesting to hear that on the ground there. But uh, continue, yeah, continue. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So I mean, I want. um So, uh, but like. Nationally, right? Like, there was no libertarian candidate for, for president last year. I am of the opinion that there can be local races. There are races sometimes where, like, Ron Paul was a libertarian, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's not up for dispute. I'm sorry. Uh, like, Thomas Massey is a libertarian. Like, I'm, I'm fairly confident that he is. I don't think this is really. Um, something that's, that's disputable. So I'm not, I care about libertarianism. I don't care about the libertarian party. I want the libertarian Mm. party to serve libertarianism. I don't want libertarianism to serve the libertarian party. Um, There are a group of people who appear to have a lot of power and influence in the libertarian party who care about their club and, and want to be like R or D light and want to be as maximally respectable. um, and, 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 and like, don't, really care about libertarianism they care more about um i care more about their club so um i will admit like i probably had some pent-up uh frustrations with helping national i got the key they said jeremy sends i mean because <laughs> i i do run twitter for some other brand accounts and i only even started using twitter on my personal account you know in what a year and a half ago not even and i picked up like five or six thousand followers and so it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm like the best at Twitter. Well, maybe I will now uh, I'm, but you know, I'm okay at it. Um, and so it's like, yeah, I'll send some, I'll send some tweets. And I had some pent up, you know, like these is, you know, so they're, they were, they were calculated in the sense that I did go to the group chat and be like, guys, like I'm going to send someone's designed to get ratioed, mm-hmm. like basically saying we're going to do this on purpose, but they weren't, um, they were you know, so we did know that. It's not like we didn't know that's going to be unpopular. The point is you say something unpopular, it gets massive distribution. People who are curious enough to say, well, why are they saying this? You back it up with substantial, substantive reasons as, you know, mm-hmm. introduce the libertarian philosophy. And so like, in other words, if the choices is between issuing some sort of like toast tweet that gets 1,000 impressions, and mostly speaking to people who already agree with you versus something that gets ratioed, gets 2 million impressions, 80% of people... Think it's awful, but that other 20% or 10% is actually looking at it. Like that's a win because. If well, and you I would are, argue that
0: also, in addition to that, starting up here, in addition to that, when you're talking about people that are going to ratio you in general, these are people that are actively looking to ratio you in the first place anyway. These are people yes. that are looking to jump on an ideology they, they don't agree with to begin with. So let them jump on, let them boost you up as far as the social media visibility. And like you said, let the people that might be interested or curious or agree or want to debate you have an interesting dialogue precisely
1: precisely and then the other aspect of this that i think is really important to go back to that hill climbing thing is that like you what you actually want to achieve to achieve success long term is people who will be these kinds of ideological rocks people who will actually understand the philosophy who are willing to articulate it regardless of how unpopular it is right which you know ron paul would be a great example of someone who who did this who is brave enough to go into you know by the way ron paul voted against the civil rights act i'm uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry Not literally the act, this like motion commemorating it. He was the only member of Congress to vote against it. You know, so this is a Ron Paul position as, as much as anyone else's. And so, like, you want people who will be brave. Who, who are And so these are the people you're trying to find. These people who can truly understand libertarianism, who can articulate it to others, and who, who will do that even when it's unpopular. We need more and more of these people if we want libertarianism to succeed. We don't need to get from 1 to 1.5. We need to get more people in that category. And so there's an aspect of the messages that's done specifically to be identifying and selecting for people like that.
0: Yeah. And I would I would say that there's something I've been advocating for, which is also, you know, when you get to this point of messaging, there's almost you look at the left, you look at these hyper progressive, you know, way out on the forefront of leftist thought, who's got the most influence right now in the party? Those yeah. people do the people that yeah. are advocating for the most extreme platforms that are out there. They're saying shit every day that is equal to or worse than anything that you've tweeted out. That's more provocative, but it causes people to react to it. It causes conversation to happen and you can develop a leadership positioning on that. And we've got a far better bedrock of defensible positions. And like you said, we shouldn't be ashamed of the ideology that we subscribe to, you know, and it's principled. And when put into the application, it makes complete sense and is for the greater good of the of humanity. Should you get beneath the surface of those tweets, so I you know obviously i'm <laughs> I don't have a problem with what you did, but let's talk now about the reaction to this and what the national what the what the local chair did all the way up to national because that's where this just becomes fascinating, and to me, it just crosses every principled boundary you can have as a libertarian, especially when you operate as Joe Bishop henchman knows these gatekeepers have said into the existing Prague uh, party. You know, they took this action to, I don't know, attempt to de- delay or uh, or push back a hostile takeover. And what do they do to cause to uh, react to it? They had a hostile takeover. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. irony is this thick. It's it's <laughs> in front of your face. You have to brush it away like cobwebs.
1: Yeah. Look, uh, I, I, I don't like going around attacking people too much, but these people are slime. They are. They're <laughs> disgusting. They're like really repulsive individuals i don't i don't know if they're like psychopaths so they don't experience it or what it is but like it's unreal um so what happened was um uh lpnh was uh quote uh taken over uh by mm-hmm. what i would say principal libertarians it wasn't entirely mises so our XCOM was not even majority mises it was uh three explicit um three explicit mises one sort of like mises friendly but he explicitly said i'm not endorsing mises i don't endorse the caucus and i guess there may be two in that category and then the chair who uh well no chair and aj olding although aj later left um those two came from you know, they, they weren't mises mises we met with um you know Gilletta jarvis beforehand and we basically were trying we elected Gilletta like largely as an olive branch to the people who were on the other side of mises to kind of say mm-hmm. look you know we, we we want to work with you right we may disagree on some things but but we want to to work with you um you know there were there were tensions uh you know pretty quickly where the sort of woke libertarians had you know a lot of problems um with with some of the things that they were saying they would complain to the chair the chair would want to do things and then you know the ex wouldn't ultimately Mm -hmm. support it. So, so Gilletta kept being kind of left out on her own with the only one who wanted something to happen. The support wasn't there. Um, She didn't, she didn't like the things that were being said. She also can't articulate libertarian positions, right? Like we got a Fox news article out of the the child labor one. And she said like, libertarians believe that, um, you know, uh, the age of work should be this number instead of this other number, and it's like no, that's not what libertarians believe. Libertarians no, believe exactly. it's not you a matter Give the of the actual reason yeah, behind yeah. it, yeah. right? Exactly. So, like, you know, and so that's and and, and I mean, that, even that was an eye-opening moment for me realizing like how how full the party of people is. Like, I mean, I've read all of them from like the left anarchists, to the right anarchist. Like, I'm a I'm a I'm a big nerd about libertarian philosophy. Um, or not even that they're all anarchists. That's you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. the the um. And so it's like, you know, she doesn't understand the ideas at all. She can't articulate them. She thinks that libertarians are this party of like lower taxes and legal weed. And like, that's not what libertarianism is. So she was, she was frustrated by this. She was going to quit. She was going to resign, which I think was the right thing to do. If you, are, you know, are so frustrated, and you're not being listened. She spoke to an unnamed person. Uh, we're all wondering who this, who this person is. A lot of people have have some guesses that it's a, it's an individual who likes to go around in the in the shadows and 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 scheme, uh, but I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to give the name, but it, people could guess. First person pops mm-hmm. in your mind, yeah, you know, it's probably that guy. Um, no. uh, I have so, my own guess,
0: but I'll also <laughs> I'll <explain. laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, someone gave her the idea that she could start an entirely new party and get. Uh, national to endorse it. So that's what she did, her and uh, about a dozen other people. So like, I don't even think one tenth or around one tenth of the members were willing, uh, to go with, with, with her. Um, I mean, we had, um, so the, it was a very small group. Uh, she started a new organization. She attempted to, but incorrectly and slash even couldn't even in the first place, um, steal the name from the existing organization. So it's a completely mm-hmm. invalid, uh, legal maneuver that, sh- that she or they thought, uh, uh, would work. And then she, uh, with Joe best, Joe Bishop Hinchman got, uh, got the chair of the libertarian party, uh, to endorse her affiliate and disaffiliate, Ah, uh, the standing LP and H body. Um, there is absolutely no reading of the rules that allows this. Mm-hmm. None. It's as unequivocal as it gets. Um, there's a great email from uh, the vice chair, Ken. I'm forget Ken last oh, name. Ken Yeah, Ken Molman. Uh, yeah. So if you can maybe pull, reference that somewhere in the show notes, he or he explains yeah. the situation very well with the step-by-step of questions of what's legitimate and why it's yeah, not I legitimate. Yeah, will, I will link to
0: because yeah. I know I, I was reading some of what was tweeted out and you know, so there's Google Doc links where you can read all the emails back and forth between Ken Molman's on there, um, uh, Carol Ann Haros is on there, and <laughs> yeah. Joe bishop Henchman's on there, et cetera. So I will link that. You can find that. I'll put it at com slash episodes forward slash E L L two, three, two guys. That's where you'll be able to find those, those show notes, or I'm sorry, yeah. two, three, three, two, three, three. <laughs> uh, yeah. So continue.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, uh, but one of the things that's become clear through this, these discussions, like it's not clear what the outcome is going to be. This there, it's, it's JBH. And I mean, hopefully a minority of the LNC that's basically willing to say, we don't care about the rules. We don't care about the, cro- the contracts that have been, have, have been uh, signed and we don't care about the promises. We don't care about propriety. People who aren't willing to be these sort of like woke neoliberals are out and mm-hmm. we will quash them at all costs. I mean, that's basically the signal that's coming out at this point is that, and, and I think, you know, if you are an affiliate who um, is not exactly on board, if you didn't like some of what LP National is doing, I think you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, I think you could be yep. next. I think they could seize your website and your accounts and your membership roles and all of these things at any, at any time. Uh, and right. so yeah, it's just to, to, to go ready. To- to stop yeah. you real
0: quick. Cause that's what people don't realize either is that behind the scenes, you know, this also happened very quickly. I think a lot of people were left in the dark. Um, cause there was not communication from Gillette, from, uh, Joe Bishop henchman, as far as any, anything of these actions that they're being pushed forward, right. For I think a week or something like that. No, and he and never, then, and,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's another, well, sorry, really key point of this. Like apparently this entire situation is about, I'm not trying to make it all about me. I never intended, but, right, like, but you're you tweeting all this Yeah, stuff yeah, about you're, these tweets. Right. Um, I don't know on, uh, you know, these tweets are the grounds to throw out all the bylaws of, of LPNH, all the bylaws of LP national, ignore all the rules just to stop these tweets from, uh, you know, from happening. Um, I yeah. think it's insane. I mean, honestly, I'm very glad that it happened because it shows the world um, what kinds of people yeah. these people are that are, are, are running uh, uh, LP national. And I can't imagine, I mean, if, if JBH and these people are able to retain power, with, with the Mises caucus, you know, taking over so many different states and so many different affiliates. Like, I, I mean, and, and they're going to have to rat fuck a lot of states, uh, or they're going to be out. I mean, I don't, I don't know how they yeah. can, how they can do it at this point. Oh, the other thing I was going to say, they never even talked to us, right? So if this is purportedly right. the problem. There was no discipline, no notice, no action, no conversation, not a sentence, not from JBH, not from anyone at LP national, not even from Gilletta. At no mm-hmm. point did Gilletta ever send a message to me personally saying, "Jeremy, do this, don't do that." Never. No order. No. No order was disobeyed uh, by me from her. <laughs> nothing. Nothing like that
0: happened. it's pure well, cowardice, is what this is. It's pure cowardice and it's pure reactionary fear to, as to losing power, losing yeah. control over what they want to maintain. Right.
1: And I and I actually think that's. I don't. I think it's also possible that the tweets were a pretext. For something mm-hmm. that they were just looking for a reason to do. I mean, we noted. Sarwark, they were just waiting to push the button. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, look, Sarwark is a slime ball uh, who like can't stand the fact that he doesn't get respect and power anymore. We voted for literally no one over him to ensure that he mm-hmm. didn't have any role in LPNH because the man is an embarrassment of a libertarian. Uh, he should just go join the the Green Party or something else. I don't. I've talked to him. He doesn't have the remotest concept of what libertarianism is, and so he was. But he's a he's a power hungry. Narcissistic individual who will do whatever it takes to retain power and he didn't have it here. And so he'll destroy the whole party um, because we wouldn't give him power is I think part of what's yeah. going on.
0: Well, I love the pretext too of this, or you know, Joe Bishop Benjamin had put out a letter talking about how he only supports people of principle and how this was all about principled libertarian messaging, which of course, you know, I agree with you. Nothing you tweeted out was unlibertarian. I and mean, you know, there were several several tweets that went out, and again, but intended to to rile some, intended to be provocative, but they were not unlibertarian in their principles and they were designed to invite conversation. But at the same time, he goes and throws all principle out the window with his actions. And then installs, because they did take over the website. You know, this is a, a fate accompli where they just took over the website without anybody, you know, having an idea this is going to happen. And now there's a nice happy-go-lucky pledge that you have to take. It's similar to what happened to Tom Woods where Nick Sarwark had attacked him for not signing the anti-bigotry pledge, which for some reason they think libertarians have to sign as though we're naturally bigots or presumed to be bigots. But now there's a nice big anti-bigotry pledge on there that you have to take. So he's couching this in calling everybody in the mises Mises caucus and you since these were your tweets a bigot instead of you know going deeper into the issue
1: it's it's the only i mean it's the less favorite attack i don't know who it works on at this point i mean again nothing bigoted was was ever said i mean these are people who Hmm. believe that you know like i don't know like charles murray is a bigot or anyone who doesn't wave a, a pride flag is a bigot like if you don't show the flag like if you're not actively using the right. language, that is proof that you're a bigot. You don't have to do something bigoted. You just simply by not participating in certain social phenomenon, that that is the proof
0: that, yeah. that, that you're and, a bigot. Well, the one I think, you know, I think what set him off obviously is being, you know, Joe, for those who don't know, Joe Bishop Henchman is gay. Um, yeah. But maybe it was that there was one tweet in particular, I think, that referenced trans people and uh let me see. You probably know it better than I do, but well, is essentially yeah, yeah so You could you could you could talk about it. I understand what you're getting at, but say it so we can talk about it. Yeah, sure.
1: Let me be clear that this is a tweet from my uh, personal account, and while I'll stand by the substance of the tweet, I'll admit that it I didn't say it in the in the right way. You send a lot of tweets; you say something awkwardly sometimes. I was never trying to encourage violence against trans no, people. No. Violence is reprehensible against all kinds of people, whether they're trans or not, and. Um, what it was is Brianna Colt coil. I don't know her name. She's another one of these insane woke libertarians mm-hmm. who aren't remotely libertarian. And, uh, you know, she was saying that like transphobia is a bigger problem than the state. Right. And I, I replied to her and I was basically saying that like, you know, there are 40 trans murders a year. There could be a substantial multiple of that, and that would still not be remotely as bad as the state. I mean, the state kills hundreds of right. thousands of people each year. It oppresses hundreds of millions. Like, you know, the state is is, I mean, I think it's an e- it's evil. I think it's like the well, most especially evil coming state. out of
0: COVID. We're coming out of yeah. COVID where they destroyed livelihoods, where people are dying yeah. from suicide I mean, and alcoholism I, and children I, are being abused. I mean, come yeah. the fuck
1: on. I what mean, we can't else? even we can't even get into this in detail on on, on the show. I mean, I am personally being oppressed by the federal government i've i've had to spend more than a million dollars of my company's money fighting a bullshit legal battle against the federal government in which there's no victim okay so yeah. like i'm i'm actively that's and i, I you know i'm kind, i'm like effective altruist friendly or, or close to it. it's like a million dollars you know how much that could have saved 500 people's lives mm-hmm. okay like it's a lot of money i uh and so um Uh, you know, I see things in this way where it's like, no, the state, are you kidding me? Do you know how far away we are from the, the more, you know, just and beautiful world that we could have if the state wasn't doing all these things? Like I'm not, I'm not encouraging murder, but like 40 deaths is, is, and I'm not saying we shouldn't also try to eliminate those in any way, but it's much smaller problem, right? Transphobia is not a bigger problem than the state. That's a ridiculous thing for a libertarian to say. And so I replied to that got taken out of context but that's you know that's what that, yeah, that's that what i've been it.
0: seeing too and by people i know you know there's a, a few people i know that took it out of context and again, i just i'm just coming across this tweet i didn't even see it in the initial run i'm just doing yeah. some research before having you on and yeah i could see i said well i understand i number one understand your point and i i agree with it that yes the state's a bigger problem but yeah if you're just going to cut and paste it and not know the context it came out of then you're being disingenuous as a libertarian you know we pretend again people pretend they're principled and we talk about context and we get angry and when other things are taken out of context in general about libertarianism, we get furious if people take a concept out and say, well, you just want children to work, or you just want, you just don't care about the poor. And they'll use, you know, various examples We say, well, no, you don't understand the context. You don't understand the philosophy. You don't understand the solutions that this will lead to down the road. And yet they do the exact same fucking thing when it's somebody that they don't agree with because they're quote unquote bigoted or part of a caucus that they don't like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how it how it plays out. Um, but we've seen some of the same uh, minor schisming here inside of the free staters. I mean, the people who go woke seem to have like no ability to work with people who won't agree with them. Like I'm You're not right. woke, but I don't care if you want to be woke, if you wanna if you wanna be have those be your your social priorities, like I'm not against that, but I'm not like loudly for it, right? Mm-hmm. And and these people seem to think that like that's the only way. If you're not loudly for it, then, then you're against them, and they just refuse and and tear down and attack anyone, uh, you mm-hmm. know, who 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 won't go with them. And I don't know how this is going to um, play out. I mean, I, to me, I'm starting to feel like these these woke ideologies are just like chewing through society, um, because it's it's even the libertarians weren't uh, immune. Even the STEM fields appear to be like not immune now, and mm-hmm. um, it's a very interesting social phenomenon. I don't know how it's going to play out.
0: Well I know I know we have a limited amount of time today because you were kind enough to carve some time out and I knew you got to run to meetings so that's a whole other topic that I'm I'd be happy to get into on another show <laughs> and I'd be happy to talk about your your company which we've agreed to keep oh, keep separate as I smash my desk.
1: <laughs> uh, I we'll still want to throw too much of people yeah No. Okay. Uh Well,
0: I'll just real quick as we wrap up, uh, because we're on. so, so Jeremy is also founder of Odyssey, which is a a decentralized video platform. And we are on there. So guys go, you know, follow our channel, join up on Odyssey. Um, And I would like to talk to you about that wokeism and how, you know, the censorship of content, not in the show, mind you, but I'll have you back on. But the censorship of content, you know, I would have to imagine was a big driver in what you're doing decentralization. So they can't just rip your platform down. I mean, it is kind of funny that the scenario with the the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, they were able to deplatform you. And your <laughs> company is all about not having people be deplatformed and have a yeah. currency with the uh, the library currency too. So just you know, for one minute, just tell people where they can find you, Odyssey, library, and all that good stuff. And all right, that's and I'll so let you go. <laughs> if you're
1: ner- if you're like a tech nerd, you can go to library.com, but otherwise you can skip that part. If you just want a better YouTube, you can go to odyssey.com and you should follow Lions of Liberty uh, over there and any other channels that you want to link or or plug, but you should follow all of those uh, (laughs) over at Odyssey. You don't need to understand all the other stuff. It's just like a YouTube with better policy. It's used by more than 2 million people a day. So it's not like a ghost town. It's a big popular website. Top top 2500 or 2000 website in the U.S. Uh, and a lot of people, you'll a lot of great content on there that you'll be able to find. And if you want to follow me personally, uh, I'm on Twitter at Jeremy uh, at Jeremy Kaufman. Um, and you can also follow. Oh, I think it's Mises Caucus NH is what we're tweeting from right now. So if you want the official updates from um, the the NH uh, the real LPNH, they're currently tweeting from that handle.
0: All right. And I'll link to all those in the show notes too, guys. So again, we're com slash episodes slash E L L two, three, three. I'll put all the Google docs there. So you can see what was going back and forth behind the scenes, all the communications as additional links to odyssey to library and to it, uh, to Jeremy's Twitter profile. So, Again, man, great having you on. I'd love to have you on another time when we have a little bit more uh, time. And you're not, you know, we schedule the same day as this is all going crazy. So I really appreciate you coming on and uh, keep up the fight, man. Dude, keep Same. keep on keeping on dude keep I like the you know the map I call it I'll call it the malice Twitter tactics right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you you too uh, I love you guys at lines of liberty and I love it I mean you guys are part of liberty unity and I'm willing to be part of that too because you're bringing people together and getting them to have conversations and actually to that extent there is someone who has some beef with me like I'm not trying to I'm not trying to beef with you so if, if there's someone who wants to talk to me about something I'm happy to talk it out
0: well, it sounds like a pitch to come on to the Lions of Liberty debate octagon in the future. Uh,
1: <laughs> bye, guys. Thanks.
0: All right, thanks a lot, Jeremy. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Jeremy Kaufman. I wish we had more time. Like I said, he had come on today. I messaged him in the midst of all this stuff and I said, hey, dude, I'm recording today. Can you jump on? And he was kind enough to carve some time out. Uh, we didn't think it was going to be able to happen for a while, but fortunately, he was able to join me. And I'm doing the video again lucky you. So uh, we're going to see, hopefully I can edit this together uh, coherently. I'm going to try to do my usual just spewing strain of, uh, I don't know, libertarian thought as I do and not have too many edit points. I'm going to try to keep my ego in check and uh, and see if that goes well and not try to stop and start too much. So getting into it, first topic, um, this is something that should be so upsetting, not only to libertarians, but to anybody with a soul. And that is, I was just reading on antiwar.com, an article from Andrew Napolitano, the great judge, Andrew Napolitano. Let me just drag it over here so I can read from it. But for the first time, we now have the courts, a U.S. court taking testimony that was obtained under torture and allowing it in the courtroom. Now, you might say, how is this possible? We know know, we had this whole big discussion about this. It was mainstream news that the CIA was torturing people. Every American, well, not every American. I'm sure there were some neocons that were against it. But virtually every American stood up and said, this is absolutely against what we stand for. Even if our safety is at risk, you can't simply pull people in to torture them. Because just like with the death penalty, but more so, we don't know if these people are guilty or innocent. And we also know that torture doesn't work. People have reliably been proven to lie under torture. Why? Oh, because they just want to stop being tortured. Doesn't seem that difficult to understand, except to the CIA, the people that were paid to understand human psychology, right? The CIA runs all these psyops. They're supposed to be in, to, inside out of the human psychology. The FBI, remember the X-Files, Fox Boulder was a professional in profiling people. The government's got all these resources to understand how people work, how their brains interact, and yet they still don't quite understand that torture doesn't it simply doesn't work regardless they still amply tortured people and Napolitano here is writing about a story of Abd al-Rahim al-Nashiri he was a low-level member of the Taliban uh, he was accused of plotting the suicide bombing of the USS Cole in October 2000 that killed 17 sailors He'd been in custody since 2002 First at Guantanamo Bay, of course, since 2004. And he was first captured, turned over to the CIA for interrogation, or they call it enhanced interrogation, which is torture. The waterboarding, the beatings, the um, forced eating, the food deprivation, sleep deprivation, you know, good old brooms up the ass. So course he was in these off-site locations because the government was operating under the uh <laughs> the false pretense that you could torture somebody as long as it wasn't on u.s soil it was totally okay right and they were going out of the way to protect people who partook in this this practice well turns out you can't do that can't do that anywhere so how did the cia get around this and try to still use their torturous ways in courts well they work with the fbi they turned over these interrogation victims to the FBI, who then interrogated them again. However, they still used the interrogation confessions that were obtained under the original torture. And a jackass trial judge has just said, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. Despite the fact that the lawyers that uh, Al-Nashiri himself said, look, this is obtained under torture. This is when I was being beaten in Guantanamo, even though I was with the FBI, this after portion. You know, they're saying that I confess to this. Bullshit. These people have already been caught that that perpetrated this act in general, and you can't use this testimony regardless. However, didn't go over well in the courtroom. So this guy, uh, and oh, by the way, the FBI uh, teams that interrogate The post-CIA traumatized victims are called clean teams, clean teams. So the trial judge, in this case, rejected American law, rejected American values, and said that you may introduce, he allowed the government to introduce the partial transcript from these confessions made under torture. Now, this breaks 230 years of precedent, according to uh, Mr. Napolitano, and now gives, per the judge, judicial credibility to government barbarism and nihilism in the extreme, which holds that individual human beings are subject to the state. And since their rights come from the state, they and their rights exist at the pleasure of the state. Exactly. You have basically dehumanized your existence to live and not be tortured under false. I mean, again, there's not provable evidence that this guy did anything. He's not been charged with anything. He's just coming to trial now, yet he's already been subject to imprisonment. He's had his rights removed. He's been tortured and beaten and held in captivity for now 20 years. Unbelievable. And for the first time in U.S. history, we are now officially sanctioning the allowance of torture within the courtroom. So anyway, there you go, guys. Something to worry about. Um, that's one little news item. I'm going to try to do three or four here. Second thing I want to talk about is, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll call this one a fun story. Mostly because of the conspiracy angle, um, not fun for the guy who died, but you may record, remember, remember uh, Clinton met with Loretta Lynch on the tarmac This was big news, big scandal news, which of course was downplayed by the mainstream media because they said that, oh, they just got together and chit-chatted. Clinton missed Loretta Lynch. It wasn't about Hillary Clinton's emails. It wasn't about covering up the scandal that was enveloping her of deleting thousands and thousands of emails that weren't supposed to be deleted. But the ABC journalist who broke this story back in 2016, well, he's dead. Ah, Who would have thought? And you might wonder yourself, okay, Was it COVID? You know, a lot of people dying from COVID, or so we're told. Okay, was it COVID? Did somebody break into his apartment? Um, Did he overdose on heroin? Did he have a heart attack? Did he slip and fall? No. He was found age 45, Christopher Sign, found in Birmingham, Alabama, Saturday morning, 8 a.m., and it's being investigated as a suicide. He also had a book called Secret on the Tarmac that he wrote, which, of course, had quite the, uh, the layout of the story. Here's an excerpt from it. The plan was perfect. No cameras, no microphones, no prying eyes and plenty of security. The setting for a clandestine meeting could not have been better. Former, former President Bill Clinton exited Attorney General Loretta Lynch's private plane 20 minutes after he boarded. Both thought they got away with it. Both were wrong. Amid a heated presidential race, federal investigators involving emails and Magazine society looking for clarity on the future of the country, the secret tarmac meeting would only complicate things. The secret meeting would have never been revealed if it weren't for a veteran journalist and a trusted source. That's the Amazon description of the book. So, this guy, once again, stories out. Nobody's thinking about it anymore, right? What a perfect time to be suicided. What a what a perfect time for the Clintons and their murder machine to swoop in. Now, I can't say this is definitively what happened, but considering the pattern that we've seen, the, what is it, Arkanside, I believe they call it, that has occurred again and again and again with people that have been related to or in the sphere of the Clinton family who have exposed the Clinton family's misdeeds or have been threatening to always end up dead. So maybe Jeffrey Epstein is uh, is waiting with a gift basket wherever this guy ended up. I'm hoping they didn't go to the same place. I'm hoping Epstein is somewhere far hotter, far deeper down than uh, Christopher is. But who knows? Maybe there's a special hell for people that are suicided by the Clintons. Since Suicide is a sin after all. And these guys technically committed suicide, if you're to believe the official reports. Um, another thing I want to talk about here is Joe Biden. So... Joe Biden, we all know, has dementia. I mean, Joe Biden stutters and stammers more than I do after I've had six fucking whiskeys the night before recording this podcast and I feel like dog shit. But he doesn't have that type of excuse to use. Instead, Joe Biden is up there confusing countries, confusing people, confusing names. He's at the G7 or was at the G7, which I'll get to that in a minute. My thoughts on on what came out of the G7, which is all bad. (laughs) I don't know. Of course it's all bad. But Joe Biden's up there. Uh, there was one instance I saw in video where, uh, Boris Johnson was in, you know, introducing different heads of state that were there and he's naming you know, the different presidents, president, blah, blah, president, blee, blah, president, bloof. And the South African president, he distinctly names right after he's finished naming him. Joe Biden goes, and, and, and the South African president. And Boris Johnson, then oddly, he was stammering, too. Maybe they're both, you know, but he goes, oh, I believe I just uh, just uh, introduced him. You know, he's trying to he's trying to be nice about it. It was probably one of those things where the British being so prim and proper, right? They don't want to piss anybody off too badly. He probably didn't want to just outright slam Joe Biden into the turf for being a doddering old imbecile. But you can tell he wanted to but that's not the most extreme example. Uh, the one that is getting the most attention is one that should concern libertarians and people at large. When we talk about what's going on with Syria and Libya, right now, famously Hillary Clinton, the one who probably had this reporter suicided from ABC that I just told you about Hillary Clinton famously uttered the quote, what is it? Uh, we came, we saw he died in regards to Gaddafi, who was murdered by a mob and famously killed by having a knife shoved up his ass by said mob at the behest of Hillary Clinton, uh, riling up people in Libya, undermining that that basic stability of the Libyan society and causing that country to fall into basically... I don't even know what you call now. I mean, I don't want to use anarchy because that term's been poisoned against what is good. The good that is anarchy or the uh, the absence of rulers, it, I don't even know. It's gone into a uh, mob rule, various factional rule. It has active slave markets in Libya. So good job cackling Hillary on making that happen using taxpayer dollars, which is, by the way, guys, I'm not wearing my taxation is death shirt right now, but taxation is death. You know, we have a shirt that lays it out for you. It's got a plane that's dropping money bombs because that's your tax dollars at work, dropping bombs that are killing people. By the way, while I'm telling you about other stuff, go to lionsofliberty.store, get yourself a t-shirt, but also don't forget to check out a great podcast called Burning Daylight. It's by our buddy Matt McKinley. He's a longtime supporter of the show. He is a legitimate real-life cowboy. He is doing his podcast half the time from the backs of his horse as he's guiding steer across the countryside. It's fat, pretty fascinating stuff. He's a hardcore libertarian. We's, we've had him on our show. I've been on his show. And he uh, he's a funny guy. So listen in here. Cowboys ramble, not just about libertarianism, but about some other topics as well. But again, really focuses on a lot of what we care about and he's in Nevada which is kind of interesting right now too especially with uh, the Mises caucus taking control of that uh, that local party now getting back to Biden i want to share with you guys a video here and you can't help but notice that joe biden just woo is bad man woo is bad so let me share my screen here with you, you should be able to see it and i pray to god we're going to be able to hear it on the podcast, too. Otherwise, it's going to be uh, going to be a rough editing for me. So here's Joe Biden at the G7.
2: There's a lot going on where um, we could work together with Russia. For example, uh, in, uh, in Libya, we should be opening up the, the 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 passes to be able to go through and provide uh, provide uh, um, food assistance and economic assi- I mean. Vital assistance to uh, a population that's in real trouble. Russia has engaged in activities which are, we believe, are contrary to international norms. But they have also um, uh, bitten off some real problems they're going to have trouble chewing on. And for example, the rebuilding of uh, of, uh, of Syria, of uh, of Libya, of you know, this is they're there. And as long as they're there without the ability to bring about some order in the, in the region, and you can't do that very well without providing for the basic economic needs of people. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for
0: example, in, uh, in Libya. Yeah. Good job, Joe. Good job. So there you go. There's Joe confusing Syria and Libya. Of course, Syria, we've been in. We've been actively, uh, dropping bombs there. We've been fucking around there for a while. We've been accusing, uh, uh um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name right now. I, well, anyway, uh, Assad of gassing his own people. We have, you know, well, actually, and Donald Trump with a few good things he does, he's refused to have an outright bombing run on Syria because he asked how many civilians would be killed, a novel concept that the Biden administration clearly doesn't give a shit about. But you have Biden just absolutely having no clue what he's talking about, no clue in regards to Russia and their involvement in which country we're talking about, no clue what we're doing in these countries, no clue what we're supposed to be helping with or not helping with these countries. It's a clear mental breakdown. And this is why there's another story I was looking at where uh, Biden's going to be going straight from the G7 to meet with Putin, right? And typically, you have a joint press conference. This is what all the other presidents have done in the past, you know, 40 years. As long as television's been a thing, we've been doing joint press conferences with these other world leaders. Not Biden. Not Biden. Why, you might ask? Well, because of what you just saw there. I can't imagine. I mean, people had wanted... Joe Biden to debate Putin on various topics. and I can't imagine anything more embarrassing for Joe Biden than having to get on stage in an unrehearsed environment and talk to another world leader, especially one like Putin, who's, you know, he might be a monster. And I'm not trying to defend Putin or get on the side of the the Putins of the world, but he certainly isn't mentally deficient. And Joe Biden trying to have a, a joint press conference where he's just stammering through looking weak in front of what is what we're pretending is some great, a great enemy of the United States. As if Russia still has the power that they used to as if they impact us or have any holding a, even a candle to our economic power or our military p- power is just hilarious. But still, if we're trying to keep up that pretense, right, if we're trying to pretend that they're this big enemy, you don't want to look weak in front of them. So, of course, Joe Biden doesn't want to go up and look weak in front of Putin, stammering around and Putin get the idea that, hey, maybe old Joe's easy to take advantage of. You know, God forbid Kamala Harris has to take his place cackling. Just imagine that Kamala Harris. <laughs> and then Putin. Oh, 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 oh just, just two sociopaths cackling back and forth at each other. <laughs> I think I'd actually like to see that. Okay. <laughs> So that's why you're not going to see that happen. But um, let me pull up uh, a couple of the things I want to talk about here. While we're talking about the G7, right? So I was reading a CNN article about it's just, again, just the worst dick suckery is CNN writing about Joe Biden or any progressive in any way. I mean, it, it's absurd. The way in which they describe him, which, of course, this is all couched in a return to normalcy, right? Because Donald Trump apparently just up, uh, up to the table, he threw the chess pieces on the floor and he stomped on him. He ate all the jelly beans out of the communal G7 jelly bean bucket. Like you could imagine Donald Trump walking in that you would have think that he pulled his dick out and started slapping people in the face. But apparently Joe Biden sitting down and having little to no idea what the fuck is happening, that was a return to normalcy. So guys, maybe we should take away from that that American presidents typically tip down and (laughs) typically tip down. God, I'm getting Biden dementia. Typically sit down and don't know what the fuck they're talking about, right? If this is a return to normalcy, then this is a return to America being at the table, everyone having to listen to them, right? Because we have the most guns and the most money and everything else, but really just kind of acknowledging our presence and patting us on the head, kind of like an old dog that still has teeth. Right. I guess that's a return to normalcy they're talking about. But they're talking about how Biden was there and how it's just, oh, it's just so nice. And it was palpable. It was such a difference in the room without Trump being there. Just wank, wank, wank. But we see coming out of this G7, a topic that I already talked about before, which is the corporate minimum wage, which is horseshit. All it does is punish smaller countries. This is literally a power play by the largest to take advantage of the smallest by forcing down a corporate uh, tax rate on them. The bigger countries are going to get the bigger benefit out of this anyway, because they have the higher tax burden. They want the taxes from the bigger corporations that exist there. And now they're trying to prohibit smaller companies from being competitive, eliminating their ability to offer a lower tax rate like in Ireland does, for example, behooves these larger companies. In truth, I would say this is a, an act of economic warfare, but that's just me. So this this minimum corporate wage, their, their minimum corporate tax rate, excuse me, that they're talking about pushing through. And they want everybody in the world to adopt. They also were talking about the grand climate problem, right? Because that's the new pivot. In America, we're pivoting from terrorism, international terrorism, because I'm going to talk about domestic terrorism in a second. We're pivoting from international terrorism as a threat to climate change being the next big thing, right? To Russia and China being the next big threats. We always have to have a threat because otherwise, what do we need government for? If there's not something to be protected from, why do we need to sacrifice liberties in the name of safety? We fucking don't. But they're pivoting towards climate change as we knew they would. All right. Saying that and, and Joe Biden, I can't remember what the exact phrase was. He said something along the lines of climate change being a bigger threat to America than x you know i can't remember what x was but it was something ridiculous i mean in no way is climate change a threat to america in general by the way michael schellenberger i've mentioned his book before has a fantastic book called apocalypse apocalypse never that breaks down all of these lies all of these falsehoods how capitalism is in fact helping not hurting how industrialized countries need to like smaller countries need to industrialize faster not slower and how most of the climate shit you're being taught is bullshit You know, I just recently told somebody how wrong they were on rising sea levels, because every time we're told sea levels are rising, they're taking over people's lands, they're going to drown all these island nations. The sea level has been rising every fucking year at the same amount for the past 120, 150 years since we've been measuring sea level rise. It's been rising at the same level, period. Every year, same amount of rise. All horseshit. Point being, they they said, oh, we got to get together and combat climate change. We're going to put all sorts of money towards it, right? So more spending, more billions of dollars put into this, more crushing of your ability to get out and start a business because now you have even more regulations to deal with, more cost from your pocket, All right, And this is what I'm talking about. Libertarians, we have an opportunity right now in regards to messaging, in regards to branding and finding ways that we can talk about topics that matter to everyday people, right? That's a disconnect between libertarians and the everyday population. Sometimes we lose that, right? We can have all these philosophies and all these principles, but people don't see how they play out on their direct lives. Right now, we're coming out of COVID. We are seeing an unsubstantiated, absolutely shocking rise, like a 1970s gas hike rise, you know, inflation like the 70s had in basic prices on everything. I was just reading an article summing up basically all these conference calls at the top 10 largest companies, companies in the nation and their investor calls, you know, the share the notes from these things. Every one of them is talking about inflation. Every one of them is talking about the base prices for all the goods that they use to put into make their goods going up and how they will definitively be passing that on to the consumer ASAP. Like next quarter, as soon as the next line of products rolls out, they will be priced higher because they have no other option than to price them higher because the cost of goods and services has gone up. Why has it gone up? Well, basic inflation, right? Biden is now trying to push through this infrastructure deal. He's trying to push through climate deals. He's trying to push through the Families Act. There's another $1.2 trillion in spending, trillions upon trillions. Modern monetary theory, right? What could go wrong? Libertarians. We can tell people right now, this is something we fight against. We can't have the Fed printing money out of nowhere because once that happens, the government's ability to print money ad infinitum is now set in stone. You could have hyperinflation caused by this monetary policy, which affects everybody's ability to buy basic goods and services. And the poorest among us are the ones that are hit the hardest because basic needs, food, gasoline, clothing. Those are hit first, hardest, and felt by the poor the most because those are the basic services they are using going through their daily lives. Not only do you have inflation caused by the Fed, caused by all these modern monetary theory policies, but you also now have a government lockdown resulting from COVID, which caused shortages across the board. So you have a double kind of a double dovetail here of inflationary policies caused by the monetary theory, along with a lack of basic goods. So you're going to have a hyper demand coming in and a lack of supply because we don't have enough shipping containers. We don't have enough containers to go across trucking wise, across international waters. We don't have enough because all of these goods have been building up or not being produced. Right. On one hand, you have a bunch of goods sitting there on the dock that can't get where they need to go because there's not enough containers and not enough ships right, to deal with all this demand all at once since they were shut down for so long. On the other side, you now have businesses that were shut down, that couldn't get enough pork produced, that couldn't produce enough beef because their, their factories were shut down, because they reduced capacity for doing business. So we are entering a hyperinflationary environment where the basics that affect every single person's life are being made more expensive and harder to obtain. That's the government's fault. So we have to take this opportunity to point that out. OK, um, one more thing I want to talk about here, and that is Joe Biden. And I haven't been able to get a copy of this full document yet. It was supposed to come out today. I recorded before I was able to grab a copy. But Joe Biden and his Department of Justice have not put forward or or neither have the Democrats neither has anybody else. Excuse me. They've not put forward an actual bill or law targeting domestic terrorism. And we might say, oh, that's a great thing. Wonderful. No bill or law targeting domestic terrorism. Wonderful. No, not wonderful. Devious. Because if they had put forth an actual bill or law targeting domestic terrorism, well, then it could be pushed back upon, couldn't it? We could have people debate it. We could talk about it and bring the stats out in the open. How this is all predicated on shit. How white supremacy is not a threat. How it hasn't been a threat for the past 50 years. How there's probably a thousand Ku Klux Klan men out there, how the alt-right, unite the right people have gone off into the woods that are no longer a threat anymore. How the, the uh, Capitol insurrection was not white supremacists. It was a bunch of people standing around taking selfies, most of whom were allowed into the Capitol building. And nobody died except one woman who was shot by a Capitol police officer. They were not armed. There were not guns there. This is all based on Nonsense. And this is, of course, in the midst of having a summer of rioting wherein Antifa are burning down courthouses, they're burning down buildings, they're burning down private property, they're beating people in the streets as are these black, you know, the violent Black Lives Matter protesters or rioters, whatever you want to call them. And there is a delineation, don't get me wrong. But you have DAs who refuse to prosecute Black Lives Matter or Antifa they literally release them on the streets. Gascon here in LA is releasing them back in the streets, not prosecuting. You have policies in place wherein they will not take these, uh, you know, uh, again, the violent Antifa that are burning courthouses down, not going to press charges, release them back out in the streets. They're out there rioting again the next night. But white supremacist, oh, we have to go after those people, right? I talked about in my rant this morning, my good morning fuckhead rant, how the FBI just issued a new memo warning that QAnon, is going to be doing violent attacks. What do they base this on? Oh, the fact that twenty people from QAnon were at the Capitol six insurrection because that's a perfectly valid number. What is that? One percent of the people who went in there. I don't know how many people were at that event or, or went in the building. You know, what two hundred? So ten percent, and that warrants. Now a new FBI warning that these people are going to partake in more violence from one thing that happened, one crazy ass thing that happened. Getting back on track here. So the Biden administration knows if they put a a fucking law on the books that says we're going to target domestic extremism, that will draw all sorts of civil liberties challenges that will cause legal challenges that will cause them to be exposed as targeting people they know are political enemies. And that would also criminalize thought. Think about that, right? We're talking about a, if you're talking about white nationalism, right? You can't have a law in the books that says you are a domestic terrorist if you are a white nationalist, because that is thought crime. You haven't done anything illegal. You haven't committed a crime against anybody. You haven't harassed anybody necessarily. You're talking about the government monitoring what you're doing, what you're saying online or what chat rooms you go to, what conversations you have and targeting you because of something you think or believe in. Now that's dangerous because that could also be applied to to any ideology. Once you open that Pandora's box of poisoning, it's basically the McCarthyism, right? If you're a communist, thought crime, they could throw you in jail. Same thing with extremism or whatever they fucking they want to call it. So they were smart to go around and not make a law. Instead, what they're doing is just using some existing law enforcement practices, but they're planning on building out law enforcement. They're trying on building out analysts to work with social media companies in order to track down and find domestic terrorists. Even though looking around, I didn't see any recently. I haven't seen any since the insurrection. I didn't see any at the insurrection. And I doubt I'll see many that aren't bought and paid for by the FBI, who, of course, every time they deflu you know, every time they seem to uh, defuse a terrorist situation, they caused it by finding people Instigating them to go and buy guns or buy whatever, planning it with them. And then at the last minute, they go, ah, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, fuck these people. So Biden now is going to work more in analyzing, finding these people, doing more investment into uh, Department of Justice, I don't know, crime stoppers to go track down domestic extremism. And the most delightful part of what they're doing is that they are going to work more with social media companies. Now, I warned about this before, how Biden was trying to circumvent the Fourth Amendment by working with private companies in order to spying your data, your conversations, your social media activity, because it is illegal for the government to do that. Well, sounds like they might have found some people to work with. And as we have discussed on this show before, social media companies we can't defend them anymore. They're not private companies any longer. Once you are working hand in hand with the fucking government, and to remind everybody, Facebook, Twitter, all work with the government in regards to the capital, quote unquote, insurrection to give those people private messages that were sent on social media from those accounts. They are working with the government. They are government entities. They get money from the government. They get subsidies from the government now in the form of, I don't know, snitch payments, And they obviously work closely with them from a regulation standpoint. This is dangerous. This is terrifying. This is totalitarianism. Watch the fuck out. Speak up. Say something about it. That's going to do it. That's it for the show, guys. So thanks for joining me. Look at me. I'm wearing a, you know, for for the second video, you think I would have dolled up more. But, you know, we're working this shit out. Um, yeah, guys, that's gonna do it for the show. I want to remind you at the end here to check out the other show that I do. Me, Rico, Odie, and Howie now. We got four of your favorite six Lions of Liberty, and the other two suck anyway. Fuck those guys. But we're on a podcast called The Boring Podcast. Uh, we added Howie. It used to be boring, spelled B-O-R-I-N-G. It is still the boringpod.com, is the website. You can find it. Uh, Go search. I'm I'm, I'm debating whether I'm going to rename it insofar as the actual podcast title or if it's going to confuse the fuck out of people. But just go to TheBoringPod.com and you can find our content. But it's a hilarious show. We talk about a little reality TV. We're kind of getting a little bit more away from that. And now it's just slanging stories, making jokes. I do my joke of the week because obviously I did stand-up comedy for a while. Trying to see. I try to tell a joke that I feel didn't get its due. So these are jokes that maybe are terrible jokes, but I like. Tell some of those. I got a new segment we're introducing this week. What's in that ass? Talking about a 20 questions version of people that are in the emergency room for various things stuck in their bodies as well as uh, patents. We find crazy patents called Shark Tank, Shark Tank, and uh, review the patents that we have on the show there, as well as Am I the Assholes and all sorts of good stuff. So tune into that, guys. Again, it's The Boring Podcast. You can find that anywhere you can find your Apple shows. I'll also link to it in the show notes for today's episode, along with all the stuff for Jeremy Kaufman and uh, all the news stories you heard me talk about today. All right. That's going to do it. So for me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.